the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Romans. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. He's saying, all right, chapter 6 is all about your sin nature, dying to self, the old man reckoning dead. Chapter 7, he introduces us to the word spirit, but by chapter 8 now, this is going to be the key term. Because it is going to be by the grace and help of God's spirit within us as a believer that transforms us from the inside. So in other words, it's not totally dependent on our ability to die to self and to discipline the old nature, you know, and keep the flesh in check. Because good news is, God has given us something, and he's given us of his spirit. As we grow and progress through life, we want to learn and become better than we were the day before. This is a goal shared by most people, regardless of culture, religion, or anything else. However, how often do you see people actually changing on their own? Change is not an easy thing. And without the strength and guidance from God, we can't do it on our own. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can become more and more like Christ. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Romans chapter 8 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Just as a a brief summary to catch us up to chapter 8 here, because chapter 6, 7, and 8 really go hand in hand. And so just as a reminder, in chapters 6 and 7, Paul was communicating to us that we're in a war that each of us is facing a war between the battle of the flesh and the battle of the spirit. And uh, the battle of the flesh is our selfish, sinful desires that want to uh, control our lives and that we want to basically live for our own personal pleasure uh, versus living for the spirit, which would be to please God and to live for his glory. And so that, that battle ensues uh, within us, and, and Paul expresses it at the end of chapter 7. I've just glanced back a few verses at the end of chapter 7, where we finished uh, last week, verses 21 to 24. He said, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war. Notice the word he uses there. So it's no exaggeration to say we're in a battle, this is a war. He says, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And then he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And and pause there for a moment because last week, remember, I concluded our study by saying that the Romans had this practice in ancient Rome where if you were convicted of murdering someone, they would... 
they would chain the corpse of that dead body to your body, and that would be your punishment, so that eventually as that corpse rotted and decayed and disease took over that corpse, it would be transferred to your body, and you would end up dying a slow and painful death, and that there's actually the belief that Paul is writing with that analogy in mind. He's like, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Like this, like the corpse that has been you know, chained to my body, I just feel the disease and the death of my own sinful condition. And he's like, who, who is going to rescue me from this body of death? And then he answers it with a glorious answer in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's the answer. Because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, he has rescued us from the law of sin and death. Now, in response to that, in the response to the finished work of Christ on the cross, then Paul says, okay, now, there's a life that you and I need to live, and some of it is our responsibility. And then he tells us also that God gladly takes on some other part of the responsibility in our help and in our favor. And in, in our responsibility, Romans 6, our part is Romans 6.11. That was a key verse from chapter 6, 7, and 8. In chapter 6, 11, he says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to, to God in Christ Jesus. So he says, part of our responsibility is considering the old man, the old woman, the way you were before Christ, dead. And you need to leave that person dead and buried. And every time that person raises its ugly corpse, you need to once again, as the analogy I used last week, take the mallet and pound the prairie dog. Because every time that thing tr- keeps coming up, you got to do your part. This is our responsibility to die to self, crucify the sinful nature, and consider that old man, reckon that old person dead. Dead, but alive to God in Christ. And then in chapter 6, he tells us two things to kind of illustrate it. In verse 12, he follows verse 11 by saying, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Okay, this is on us. This is our responsibility. Don't let sin reign. We will still be given from time to time to sin. Don't let it reign. Don't let it master you. Continue to crucify the flesh and die to self. And then he also adds number two. He says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin. Offer yourselves to God. That's verse 13. So in chapter 6, 11, 12, and 13, he makes it clear. This is our responsibility. You have to consider yourself dead. You have to die to self. Reckon the old person gone, dead, and buried before you knew Christ. Let that person go. And then you need to just deliberately, intentionally... Don't let sin reign, and then offer the parts of your body to God instead of to sin. So, you know, uh, maybe you used to drink a lot, and, and now your liver's pretty much destroyed. Well, start offering your liver to God, you know? Get, and so it's, it's all of this, and you can take it in, in any way you want to go. Sexual sin, offer the parts of your body to God instead of sin. Your mouth, maybe you had a problem with lying, maybe you had a problem with deceiving people or gossiping uh, about people. That's the old person. Don't offer your lips anymore to that kind of gossip and lying and deception. Offer your lips in praise to God and speak truth and, and speak encouragement and do things differently. So consider the ways that we use our physical being to gratify the desires of the sinful nature and reckon that part dead and now use our, the, the parts of our body for the glory of God. So he says, okay, that part is on us. Now he's going to get here to chapter 8. And he says, now let me tell you what God says he's going to do for us, because it's not just about disciplining and dying to the old self. 
Okay? He says there's actually something that God does for us that we can't do for ourselves. So chapter 8, I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and then we'll backtrack a little bit and, and talk about it. So in verse 1, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Now just in, in your Bibles, just underline those two laws. The law of the spirit of life, okay? And then also the law of sin and death. We're going to come back to it. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, because we've, we've crucified that person, but according to the spirit, circle the word spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, this is an important verse. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. All right, so let's pause there for a moment. There's a lot there. We're going to come back. We're going to kind of break this down uh, bit by bit. First thing I want to point out is when he starts to talk here about this is what God's going to do. Okay, there's, there's our part. Okay, we have to reckon the old person dead. We have to stop letting sin reign. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin. Offer them to God. And he says, now, now let me tell you what God's going to do. And a key word to understanding chapter 8 is the word spirit. And I asked you to circle that word because it is that word is found zero times in chapter 6, one time in chapter 7, and 19 times in chapter 8. You, you obviously see he's building an argument here. He's saying, all right, chapter 6 is all about your sin nature, dying to self, the old man reckoning dead. Chapter 7, he introduces us to the word spirit, but by chapter 8 now, this is going to be the key term. Because it is going to be by the grace and help of God's spirit within us as a believer that transforms us from the inside. So in other words, it's not totally dependent on our ability to die to self and to discipline the old nature, you know, and keep the flesh in check. Because good news is, God has given us something. And he's given us of his spirit. That his Holy Spirit ruling and reigning within us will have power to subdue and dominate some of those things that was the old you. All right, so that's going to be the, the key word throughout chapter 8. But again, back into chapter 2, I asked you to underline these two laws that are at work. He talks there in verse 2 about the law. He mentions the law of the spirit of life. And he says, it has set me free from the law of sin and death. And he tells us, and this is important for everybody to understand, there are two laws at work. And both of these laws are constantly in operation. Okay, 
They are constantly in operation. Now, bear with me, but in order to really comprehend fully what he's speaking about here in terms of you know, what he's been building up to this point about the flesh and the spirit, and now he talks about the law of the sinful of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life, I need to go back to an ancient story that happened a very, very long time ago. And if you would in your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 2. Keep your place in Romans. We're going to come back, but I want you to go to Genesis chapter 2 with me, and I want you to see a particular verse so we can understand what is going on here and what does he mean about the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life. So in order for us to really understand all of this, let's put some things into some biblical perspective. And we need to trace all this back to our great ancestor, Adam. And it tells us here in Genesis 2, verse 7, about how Adam was created. Now, this is an important commentary on the human race in general. And so in chapter 2, verse 7, this is what it says. The Lord God formed the man... All right, And in Hebrew, the word man is Adam, A-D-A-M. The very original name that Adam had, right? It just means man, Adam. So it says that God formed the man from the dust or the dirt of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. All right, simple verse talks about the formation and creation of Adam, the first man. God fashioned man from the dust or the dirt of the ground. Don't think this is hard to believe or to accept. And don't think, by the way, that science is in conflict with the Bible. A lot of times science needs to catch up with the Bible. But having said that, we know that the human body is the same chemical elements as dirt. 17 chemical elements. You and I are mainly hydrogen and oxygen and and then 15 other trace elements, the same components of dirt, which is why when you and I die and our body disintegrates, it returns to the basic dirt elements from which we were created. So God fashions Adam from the dust of the earth, from the the same elements as dirt, and fashions, creates, forms a physical body. Now that physical body of Adam's was lifeless. So that's why it then tells us that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And actually, in in the Hebrew language, it is not life singular, it is lives plural, chayim. God breathes the breath of lives. Why is it plural? Because there's one God who reveals himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God breathed within to Adam the breath of lives, Chaim, and, and man became a living being is the way that verse ends. And actually, that word being is the word soul, and it is the Hebrew word nefesh. So he was fashioned, Adam was, with a body. God breathes in him the breath of life, and he becomes a living soul, nefesh. So what does he have now? He has three components. The human being is an inferior trinity. And I don't mean that word in in any kind of a, you know, we're stealing or robbing a divine term. It just simply means we are one individual as a human being with three components. We are body, we are soul, we are spirit. Because Adam was fashioned out of the dust of the earth. He received a body. And then God breathes in him the breath of life. He receives the spirit of God. 
and he became a living being. He received a soul. Now, the soul is basically the sum total of your mind, will, and emotion. So mankind, every person, you, me, every single person, is made up of three components. We are all physical, fleshly. We all have a soul, a mind, will, and emotion that allows us to reason and to think and to feel. And we have a spirit. Now, when Adam was first created, Adam's spirit dominated his body and his soul. And he walked with God. The Bible says that God walked with him in the cool of the day. There was sweet fellowship between Adam. Before he sinned, okay, in this unspoiled environment, there Adam was walking with God and having relationship with God and fellowship with God. And his spirit that God had breathed into him dominated his flesh. But again, God gave Adam choice. Because in order for Adam's relationship with God to be based on love instead of law, God offered him choice. Do you want to follow me? Do you want to love me? Do you want to have fellowship with me? All right, so then here's the choice. Out of all of the trees that I give you, there is one in the center of the garden of which you shall never eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Or literally the dying process begins. And of all the trees in the garden, and it doesn't say how many there were, but of all the trees, he gravitates to the one that God said, don't eat of this one. And he takes and he eats thereof. And when he did, he exercised his mind and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, as John tells us in his epistle, took over because he exercised his mind. He exercised choice. And what happened in that moment, when the lust of his eyes and the lust of his flesh and the pride of life took over, he inverted the dominance. So that now the spirit is not dominant over his body and over his soul, over his mind, but his body became dominant. His fleshly, personal desires became dominant and inverted. And the soul, the mind is going to gravitate to whatever. There's a battle between our body and our spirit. The body that wants to please ourself and live for ourself and, and our own personal desires and ambitions and, and sinful desires. And then there's the spirit that wants to please God. Our mind, our soul, that will and emotion is going to gravitate to whichever becomes dominant. And that's why it's important for us to be careful with our minds because it will gravitate to whichever direction we, we lead it. And in this moment, when Adam sinned against the Lord, he rebelled against God, his body then became dominant. His fleshly, natural man became dominant and subdued the spirit, and therefore then that sin nature enters the human race, and we inherit it. We inherit it because through the seed of humanity was passed this sin nature, where therefore we are born in this dominant inverted order. All of us are born into sin, and when we are born, we have a desire very instinctively for our body to rule, for our fleshly instincts to reign. For our, our natural man to be dominant over our spirit because we've inherited that from our great ancestor Adam. Now, in order to kind of articulate this as clearly as I can, I actually wrote it out. I know it's a little lengthy. This is somewhat, you know, complex to articulate, so I wrote it out like this. When Adam walked with God, his spirit dominated the body or the flesh. But when Adam chose to sin against God, his body, his flesh, dominated his spirit. And that pattern put him under the law of sin and death. That's what we're talking about in chapter 8. Since we inherited Adam's sin nature through the seed of humanity, we are all under the law of sin and death because all 
have sinned. So go back to the book of Romans now, and I want you to again just look at Romans 5, 12 and understand, I know this is a little bit of review, but we got to tie it all together here with Romans 8. So again, in Romans 5, 12, this is what Paul means when he talks about how sin entered the human race because of Adam and Adam's sin. So Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that is Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. Okay? So he establishes this fact. We're all born with our body dominating everything else about us. We all fall under the law of sin and death. And that law does not change. That is a dominant law in our lives. Listen, until such time that we come into personal relationship with Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that law goes away. It just means now we have something or someone that counters the force of that law. So here is another way of saying part two. When Christ died on the cross for our sins, a new law was put in place. The law of the spirit of life, which does not negate the law of sin and death, but which overcomes the effects or force of it. All right? Let me illustrate it like this. The law of gravity and the law of aerodynamics. Both are real laws, are they not? They're both real laws. Okay, The law of gravity keeps our feet to the ground, keeps things from just floating up in the air. But then there's also the law of aerodynamics, which seems to defy the law of gravity in many ways. You can get a Boeing 747 with 900,000 pounds off the ground. How is that possible? Well, thrust and lift and all that stuff that some of you are a lot smarter, some of you pilots to explain than I certainly could. But the point is this. The law of aerodynamics doesn't negate the law of gravity. It just overcomes the force of it. So when you and I are born under the law of sin and death, we're on, we're on course to be sinful because we're, we are sinful, born into sin, and will sin because of a sin nature we inherited from Adam. We are under the law of sin and death. And on that course, we will all die, separated from God eternally. When Christ comes and dies on a cross for us, pays the price for us, willingly offers us now the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And he says, now listen, if you accept what I've done for you on the cross, you will then by faith come into relationship with me, my very spirit will be made alive in you, okay? Because when we are, before we become a Christian, we have the spirit within us because we're created body, soul, and spirit, but it is dead. It is not quickened. It is not made alive. Our body is dominant. When we come into relationship with Christ, then God, by, by his Holy Spirit, comes into us, and now our spirit is made alive such that our spirit now can be the dominant factor of our lives. It doesn't mean that the law of sin and death has been negated. It just simply means that now we have a greater power within us that overcomes the force of the law of sin and death. Does everybody understand this now? Okay. There's three heads nodding. Thank you very much for your encouragement. <laughs> In other words, look, look, gang, we, we will still have to recognize this battle exists, but you no longer have to succumb to it because we have a greater power within us than the average person who doesn't know Christ. A person who doesn't know Christ, before you came to know Christ, you know how it went. You just did whatever you jolly well wanted to do. 
and you live for your own pleasure. And it was a selfish existence. Okay? And you didn't have much control over it sometimes. You come to faith in Christ, you yield your life to Him. Now, I want to reckon the old man dead, so I have to recognize that this battle, this guy's going to still creep up in my life. But now God has also given me an added dimension of strength and power that I never had before I came to know Him. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as we dig into the Book of Romans. Isn't Paul's faith inspiring? Did you know you can download our mobile app and take Cornerstone Connection with you wherever you take your phone? That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies and you'll always have encouragement from God's Word right at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to meet you in person, too, at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Stop in for a service this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m., or join us for our Bible study and fellowship on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Pastor Gary would love to shake your hand and answer any questions you may have about the study about Cornerstone Chapel, or about how you can have a relationship with God. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can listen to additional teachings from this study or read accompanying resources on our site as well. Just look under the Teachings tab. That's all we have for today, but join us next time to learn more from the Book of Romans right here on Cornerstone Connection. Got no place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.